Yes. It's 2 5 here. Books reports is audit. Coming at you shortly with some NFL Week One reaction and some Team USA talk. But for now, you got me and I got college football Week Two notes. You know, let's recap. So let's start it off with that battle down in Tuscaloosa. You know, did I ever mention, by the way, that this is my favorite time of year? But, oh, let's take a trip down to Tuscaloosa where the Texas Longhorns went down and announced themselves. Every year we hear, is Texas back? Is this the year? Is this the time that all the talent comes together and infuses and all of a sudden Texas is going to be a contender? And then usually the answer to that question is no. We still don't have the answer yet. But Texas is definitely on the right path, holding Bam at a 3.1 yards per carry. And what I don't understand is that normally I complain about how Bama is called for holding. They never get called for pass interferences. You hardly see any flags thrown against Alabama. But this is the second year in a row. You know, last year, 15 penalties for 100 yards against Texas. This year, an improvement, 10 penalties for only 90 yards. So you got improvement there. You know, Jalen Rowe is what I thought he was, which is not enough. You know, he's talented, obviously. He brings certain elements off. But now we get into the real problems for Alabama. They brought in Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator from Notre Dame. And people like me and then, you know, some people up in South Bend weren't necessarily impressed with Tommy Reese. Like, he's not a bad offensive coordinator, but he plays a little too close to the vest sometimes when you don't need him to. Um, I just didn't like the fit. You know, obviously, Bill O'Brien wasn't necessarily the best fit either for Alabama, but that goes without saying. Like, there's a certain type of mentality you have to have to be on Nick Saban's staff. And I hear a lot of people out saying, well, maybe they should have put Ty Simpson in. Maybe they should have put in Buckner, you know, Buckner from Notre Dame, by the way. But when I look at it, I don't know when that opportunity is there because Alabama had a three-point lead late into the third quarter when they took the lead for the first time. So it's like, hey, we just took the lead. Let's bench our quarterback. It doesn't quite work like that, even though <laughs> that happened with 44 seconds left in the third quarter, and it took Texas about a minute 24 to take the lead back. And so do you go, hey, we just had the lead. Our defense allowed Texas, Texas to punk us down the field. Now let's replace our quarterback. I think that was just one of those games in the way that the game was going. You were just stuck with what you were stuck with. You know, it was Milrow, ride or die. Now, coming out of this game, you go down to Tampa this week to play South Florida. Now you can tinker around with these quarterbacks because for all intents and purposes, you should be able to handle South Florida. Quinn Ewers, 24 for 38. You know, 349 yards, two touchdowns. Mr. Logical told everybody about how he was concerned about the deep ball because of how Texas played against Rice. And I said, ah, ah, don't worry about it. Texas has been preparing for Bama since fall practice started. And I believe that to be true. And I think we saw that come to fruition on Saturday night. Milrow went 14 of 27, two touchdowns, two exceptions. So, you know. He's just a turnover machine in big games. You know, remember, Bryce Young missed some time last year. So we saw him, and he had a problem, but it was fumbling the ball back then. Xavier Worthy, 
dropping the touchdown. This game could have been a lot worse than it was, but this got in their own at times. So make no mistakes about it. Texas had control of this game. I never thought it was in doubt. You know, that, but that's just me. This is Alabama's first out-of-conference home loss since 2007 when they lost to the Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe. And I don't even know if they were the Warhawks at the time that this happened. But that was Nick Saban's first year, you know. So uh, they even lost to Georgia in the regular season that year. We know they don't play them in the regular season that often. So, you know, so Alabama, where do you go from here? You don't hang your heads. You grab your lunch pails and you go to work. You still got LSU coming in. You know, you should eat Ole Miss. You don't play Georgia during the regular season. You got Tennessee coming to you. So the MO is win out, get to Atlanta, meet Georgia on their stomping grounds and get your vengeance. North Carolina, another year, another struggle with Appalachian State. Last year, it was 63-61. This time, there was a pass interference call that some people are up in arms about. It went to double overtime, 40-34. to Drake May comes through in the clutch. Throw a touchdown pass during regulation. Uh, Marvion Hampton, 26 carries, 236 yards. Why is all that important? Because North Carolina is always going to get Appalachian State's best shot. But this week, that game was sandwiched in between playing South Carolina one and having Minnesota come in this week. So Minnesota's defense can give North Carolina trouble. I just don't know if they can score enough to actually make North Carolina sweat. But that's just me. NC State, Notre Dame, what felt like an eight-hour game with all the lightning delays, poor scoreboard down there, you know, down at down in Raleigh, you know, got struck by lightning and everything. But Notre Dame, I came into last week talking about how Hartman had never beat NC State, how he had thrown six picks against them. And then I also let you know, I didn't believe that that was going to happen this time because now he has talent around him. Now, don't get it twisted. Wake Forest had some receivers. Remember Sage Surratt? You know, but they didn't necessarily have a great running game. They didn't necessarily have the best offensive line defenses to keep them out of trouble. But at Notre Dame, he has all of that because Marcus Freeman has come in and recruited like a madman. You know, he took what Brian did and even went up another level from that. You know, but Notre Dame, you know, Sam Hartman, no picks this time against NC State. You know, this is 29th, I said 29th straight regular season win that Notre Dame has had over an ACC opponent. Their last loss was 2017. Can you think about it and tell me when that was or who it was against? Okay. Remember that Saturday night, 41 to 8 at Hard Rock against the Canes? That was the last time Notre Dame lost to an ACC team in the regular season. Remember, they lost to Clemson in the ACC game during the COVID year, but they had beat Clemson earlier in the regular season because Trevor Lawrence was out. That was DJ Uyangale. This is his first start. You know, and I still don't even know if I'm saying his name right, so I apologize. But Brennan Armstrong, three picks. You know, everything was supposed to be good for NC State year. Reuniting Brendan Armstrong with his offensive coordinator from Virginia, where he had the 31 touchdown, 10 interception season a few years ago. 4,449 yards that season. But Brendan Armstrong hasn't been right since. And this is a trend that I think NC State planned. 
But for the second straight week, he's been their leading rusher, which is one thing if you're effective. But he went 12 rushes for 26 yards. Last year, rusher, you know what that reminds me of? Jaden Daniels down in LSU. By the way, LSU down in Stark Vegas come this weekend. Al Bell, you know, 11 o'clock kickoff. Watch it. I'm not saying Mississippi State's going to win. I'm just saying keep your eye on it. ATM, a.k.a. Texas A&M, went and paid a visit to Hard Rock to play the Sugar Canes, the Hurricanes. And this is what happened. Tyler Vanke came back. Two years ago, he came out, lit the world on fire. There was talk that he was going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick whenever he came out. Then this year happened. He was a little injured. New offensive staff, Mario Cristobal with the conservative offensive nature. It just didn't mesh very well. Well, he said, I'm back. 12.5 yards per attempt against AM. That SEC vaunted SEC defense. You know, he went 21 of 30 for 374 with five touchdowns. Carter Wegman for AM looks like the real deal as well. All he needed was Bobby Petrino, I guess. So AM put up 33 points. It just wasn't enough because they gave up 48. Now, with that being said, my thought coming into this season was when is Jimbo and Petrino going to have that moment of reflection and get at each other's throats because the offensive philosophies don't align. But now DJ Durkin's defense isn't looking that great. I mean, it's good when you're playing New Mexico, I guess, but you know, you got Bama coming in in a few weeks, you know, you got LSU coming for revenge this year because we know what happened last year. So, you know, A&M's in a troubled spot. Now, I don't think I labeled this game the don't panic too early bowl because whoever lost this game, the fans were going to go nuts. Either my is going to say, love you, Mario, but you're not the answer. Or A&M fans were going to say, hey, Jimbo, don't think we don't got this money to get you up out of here. So I don't think we're there yet, you know, especially if Miami finishes, say, 10 and two or so beats Clemson or Florida State, hopefully the former than the latter. You know, but, you know, if that happens, maybe you can convince yourself that maybe it wasn't that bad. But what has me concerned now is the way that they looked against Miami after having a 17-7 lead. Miami was muffing punts. And A&M, for, for their Eastern opponent, one of their Eastern opponents this year, because, you know, South Carolina is their permanent, they got to go to Knoxville and, you know, Milan this year, so... You know, keep your eye on AM. Nebraska and Colorado. You know, all intents and purposes for some people, this was the game of the day. Is Colorado worth the hype? Are they true? Are what the polls have them? So now they're number 18. They jumped up four spots after beating Nebraska. Nebraska is flat out awful. That takes away from Colorado because I think TCU is still good. You know, and I said that coming into the season. I think TCU's good. And we live in this world nowadays where they made it to the national title game last year. So when you say that they're good, people mistake that and say, oh, he thinks they're going back to the off. Oh, but TCU still could finish eight and four and nine and three. So I'm not going to knock Colorado for that win until I have a reason to. As far as beating Nebraska, Nebraska was able to slow Colorado down in the first half. I mean, hell, the final score was 36 to 14, and, you know, Colorado got a lot of that late. 
So Shadur still looking like the real deal. Travis Hunter, I got to see that man on the basketball court because he is out here collecting ankles. Now, we're almost there, folks. Stay patient because College Game Day is going to Boulder this weekend for the Rocky Mountain Showdown, a game that I have been privileged to go to three times, even though it was at Mile High when I went against Colorado State. You know, it doesn't get airwaves nationally, but these two schools despise each other. You know, they're only separated 35 miles or so, you know. Um, so with that being said, get through this game this week. And, oh, by God, we have a big one at Autzen next week against the Ducks, as I like to call them, Duckzilla. You know, Colorado at Oregon. Then, of course, USC the week after that. But, you know. Nebraska, Jeff Sims, you know, they say when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Well, I would argue Nebraska has three quarterbacks on the whole roster and still don't have any. Jeff Sims was not good at Georgia Tech, so I don't know what gave you the inclination to think that he would be good in Nebraska unless Matt Rule just thought that he's a good enough coach to get the best out of Jeff Sims. Now, Matt Rule is a good coach. We know what happened in Atlanta. But as I told one of my buddies the other day, go back and look at his resume. He took over Temple when nobody wanted to touch Temple. Nobody still touches Temple, I guess. But, you know, he had Temple fighting for conference titles and in bowl games. You know, he went to Baylor after the scandal. Art L, you know, and it was rough year one. But then they won 11 games year two. So, you know, this is what Matt Rule does. Maybe next year, Nebraska can right the ship. And I think I'm done with Nebraska this year. You know, it was one thing to lose at Minnesota, a scoring 10 points. So that means that in two games, Nebraska's averaging 12 points a game. That's just not going to fly. You still got to play Iowa. You still got to deal with Illinois defense, just like Penn State will this weekend. Keep your eye on that one. Drew out first rule game. So, you know, that's always going to be one of those things where I like to step back. I think Penn State's going to win, but I just like to step back and take on of that. Just like Carson Beck, he's at home against South Carolina this weekend, but this is his first time playing against talent, you know, in speed, SEC speed. So I just want to see how it looks. Georgia's probably going to win but I just want to see how it looks. But back to Colorado, Shador with 393 yards and two touchdowns. You know, uh, he's probably off of his Heisman pace, if you will. <laughs> but, you know, is this really true? Was Matt Rule out there trash-talking the Sand family in front of the statue? So that made it personal. I don't know. Whatever you got to do to sell your team, Dion, you know, keep up the good work. You know, so those were my big takeaways from college football this past weekend. But I got some notes real quick that I want to hit on my way out of here. You know, as I said, sports report is coming at you later. Make sure you give Mr. Logical a happy birthday shout out. You know, sports reports is on. We're going to recap more of college football. We're going to get into week one of the NFL. And then we're going to talk about Team USA going forward after the loss in the FIBA bronze medal game yesterday. But back to college football to wrap this up. Mel Tucker. Embattled head coach at Michigan State. 10 years, $95 million contract. Still owed about $80 million, about $10 million for the buyout. If there's a buyout, 
because apparently he had some unconsensual or non-consensual phone sex with Miss Brenda Tracy, who is an advocate and an activist who unfortunately was gang raped years ago by four college football players. And now she goes out to different universities and spreads messages. She has set the expectation, which is her group that tries to talk to young men to alleviate or not alleviate, but I guess mitigate um, the chances that these things will happen. She came up to East Lansing twice to address the football team. And according to Mel Tucker, they had a consensual intimate relationship, even though he was married and everything. But, you know, allegedly, he, uh, well, I guess not allegedly, he admitted to it, but he thought they had a relationship. You know, he masturbated while they were on the phone. And she didn't like that, according to what she reported. Um, reported it. This has been going on since December. Uh, March was when the officials talked to him. Story dropped Saturday night at about one in the morning, my time in the Central Time Zone. USA Today dropped the A-bomb, oh, and now he's suspended without pay. There's some hearings on October 5th and 6th, but I don't expect him to be the head coach anymore. So they so they brought in uh, former player Darlin Arnett to be the interim coach with Mark D'Antonio as the coach, which I don't understand because if you remember, Mark D'Antonio left Michigan State because of alleged recruiting violations and some other stuff going on. Remember, this is the school of Nasser. Remember the uh, Nassar, you know, the gymnast coach, you know, that had all this rape going on. Izzo was out there, you know, talking bad to rape victims and, you know, alleged victims. So, you know, this is not a new problem at Michigan State. So I'm interested to see where they go from here. But just off the top of my head, short list of candidates, you know, Sean Lewis, you know, of Toledo fame, who is now, or Kent State, who is now the uh, offensive coordinator out with Dion in Colorado. And then uh, Mark Stoops down in Kentucky. You know, much longer are Kentucky fans going to be patient and accept being second or third in the East? You know, now granted, you know, you Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida deal with, but eventually, even winning nine games gets old. Ask Nebraska fans, but be careful what you wish for. You know, and, uh, you know. so those are my two candidates right now. I've heard Matt Campbell's name. I don't know about the fit, you know, even though he is a coach. The two that I got in my mind. Mike Hollins, UVA. Congratulations, sir. Salute to you. You know, he was one of the survivors from the Madden last year that took three of his teammates' lives, you know, last year unfortunately, but he scored his first touchdown of the season, 12 yards or 12, 28 yards and two touchdowns, you know, and the loss to James Madison. Now I know that burns up the fans in Charlotte, but shout out to James Madison, 10 and three since joining FBS last year. Hopefully you all can get to a bowl game last year since you got screwed by that bogus rule last year. Iowa, 20 points against Iowa State, 20-13 to 13 win. So we're keeping track of the Brian Ferentz score watch, even though one of those was a pick six. So in my eyes, that shouldn't even count. But it's not up to me. But just to let you know from here on out, 
He needs to have the office needs to average 25.6 points for the rest of the season for Brian to keep his job. You know, can they do it? They got Penn State coming up in a few weeks. They still got Wisconsin at some point, Illinois. It's going to be tough sledding, but we'll see. UTEP, me and Mr. Long talked about this. Favored by one and a half in the great city of Chicago against Northwestern. And we said, are you out of mind? Better take Northwestern. This might be the one game they win all season, and they won 38-7. to So hopefully none of you out there got tricked into losing your money. Games that only 2-5 cares about. Friday night, even though I will be at UTSA and Army at the Alamo Dome, I will have my TV and my DVR recording because it's the battle of the tiding trophy between Maryland and Virginia, who should play every year in the world. In my type verse, they play every year. But this is their first matchup since a one-point win by the Terps in 2013. There's no reason that Maryland should not play Virginia every year. And if you're not going to play Virginia every year, at least bring the West Virginia rivalry back. I mean, it's tough being a Maryland supporter sometimes because, you know, I can relate to Penn State fans. Penn State's in one corner saying, we hate Ohio State. We hate their guts. And the other, they're like, Michigan. Meanwhile, Michigan and Ohio State say, oh, you're cute. We're just going to go back to hating each other over here. So that's how it was for me as a Maryland growing up, you because we hated Virginia, but they had the Hokies. You know, we hated Penn State, but then, you know, I ain't got to get into the series record. I was in the 10 77 7 And then, you know, you got West Virginia who had the backyard brawl. So, you know, we were just searching for a rival. So bring me back the tight end feet, Terps, and bring this rivalry back more often. So, like I mentioned before, LSU at Stark Vegas this weekend. Get ready for cowbells. And beware because Mississippi State has beat LSU three times in the last 10 years. Now, I know to some of you out there, that just means that LSU is 7-3 and three against Mississippi State the last 10 years. But how many other teams have beaten LSU three times in the last 10 years? Think about that one before you talk to me. 56-10, to 10, USC over Stanford. Wow, when was the last time USC held anybody to 10 points or below? You know, USC is getting ready, coming up on the bye week. You know, this was what we talked about at the preview part of the season. This is why it was hard for me because I didn't pick USC to win in the Pac-12, even though they may be the best team. I just think that their bye is too early. You know, and then they got that Notre Dame, Utah back-to-back. They got that Oregon, Washington back-to-back. Cal sandwiched in between UCLA. So I just think the schedule is going to be too much for USC to surmount, if you will. But, you know, I do think that Caleb Williams is live to repeat as Heisman. Backyard brawl next week or this weekend. Games that 2-5 only cares about. Pitt and West Virginia, one of those rivalries that should be happening in a year. Last year, they played at Heinz Field. I don't know what it's called now, so it's going to be Heinz Field. And uh, Pitt got out of there with an intercept late, 31-24. Keaton Slovis was the quarterback. He's at BYU now. Enter Phil Dracovic. Enter Pitt coming in off of a loss to Cincinnati on the first ACC game on the CW. And now they got to go to Morgantown. Beware of burning couches. 
Neil Brown trying to keep his job. I think he's a good coach, but I don't know if he's going to make it through the season. He loses this game. He might not be there in about three weeks, I think. And side note, Houston, Dana Holgerson losing to Rice, as the great Josh Pate would say. Don't lose the food. You know, but yeah, Rice came out 28 to nothing lead. Houston came back, tied it, took it to overtime, and Rice with the up win. Woo! It's going to get seat is hot down in Houston as Rice walks away with the Bayou Cup. So, Texas, we started off talking about them. The big win in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. I hate saying that word, Tuscaloosa. But anyway, who does Texas get week coming off of that? Oh, just the Wyoming team that already beat Texas Tech. You know, Texas Tech valiant effort against Oregon just wasn't to be. Uh, Rutgers, shout out to Rutgers, 2-0. Can't say that very many years, you know, 2-0. Giving up seven points in each game against Temple and against uh, Northwestern. And they got the Hokies coming into Piscataway this weekend. So, you know, keep your eye out on the Scarlet. If they win this game, don't be surprised to see Rutgers in a bowl because who knows what's going on at Michigan State now. They're in disarray. Indiana is Indiana. So if they win this game, that gets you to five wins by knocking off those two teams. So don't count Rutgers out just yet. I'm pulling for you, Rutgers, not just because of Mr. Logical. But you know, I want to see the underdog rise. Congrats to Idaho, the Vandals, the Vandals. They're enjoying life right now with Boise being 0-2. You know, UCF went up to the blue turf and pulled out a one-point or two-point victory. 18 to 16, but you know, Idaho, who was FBS a few years ago, dropped back down to FCS in 2018 because they just couldn't keep up. You know, I love the Kibbe Dome, you know, uh, up in Moscow, Moscow, they call it Moscow, not to be confused with Moscow, Russia, Moscow, you know, right over there on the Palouse. You know, about 13 miles from Pullman and Wazoo, they went in and beat Nevada, beat the brakes off of Nevada, you know, so they got an FBS win under their belt now. So congrats to the Vandals. Finally, finally, the SEC, the mighty, mighty SEC, three and six against power five teams this year. I'm going to give you five seconds. Can you name who they beat, who won those games? So those victories are Auburn over Cal, which Mississippi State with an overtime win over Arizona, which happened the other day. And then, of course, last week's demolition by Tennessee via the Virginia Cavaliers. So, you know, um, two of those wins came this weekend, three and six overall against the other Power Five conference. You know, Alabama lost to Texas LSU, lost to the mighty Seminoles. So, you know, the SEC, is the SEC down this year? I think it's still too early to tell because the SEC probably still be in the, there in the end when it comes playoff time. And even if they got losses, guess what? They're going to let them in the playoffs anyway. But on that note, I am 2-5. Like, review, subscribe. Leave me some feedback. Let's chat. Holla at your boy. Sports Reports is ordered. Coming in shortly. Peace.